Well, everyone, uh, again, um, uh, do keep uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6 um, open in front of you. Uh, but let me pray for us as we come to, to look at it. Let's pray again uh, for God's help. Lord, we've just sung uh, and prayed as we've sung that you'd speak to us. Um, and we thank you for, for Jesus' words here that, uh, that, want, that invite us uh, into a relationship with you. Uh, words to train and shape and tune our hearts to... Uh, to be centred on you and dependent on you. Uh, and so please help us in the, the time that we have uh, now and in the second session. Would you, um, would you help each of us to, um, uh, to, to know how to pray? Uh, and would you make this church um, a church that is shaped by its, its prayerfulness? And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. Name the film? No, there we go. Culturally, culturally aware people. It's good. Uh, the film Taken with Liam Neeson. Uh, if you don't know uh, the film Taken, um, uh, it's uh, a film that is about a guy called Brian Mills, played by Liam Neeson. He's a former government operative. Uh, and threatening kidnappers uh, take his daughter. And really, from that point on, after this speech happens in the film, uh, we all know the outcome. Brian Mills will rescue his daughter. Uh, That plot became the the formula of of three blockbusters. Car chase, fist fight, he gets her in the end. But why, why is something so formulaic and so obvious when we sit down in the cinema, what, why is it so successful? Why are the, the Marvel films so compelling to our culture, grossing some like $153 million or something in their opening week? Why, why do we look for the obvious hero? Why, do we, why are we drawn towards that? The problem in Western culture is that secularism, the belief that there is no God, has has told us and taught us that the throne room of the universe is empty. Uh, we're homeless in the universe. Uh, we've got to make our way. As, as scary as it might be, as big and threatening as that might be, uh, we have to do it. We've got to find a way. We've got to make progress. And so, as a culture, we're more anxious, more afraid, more desperate for approval... Uh, more eager to, or, or we're clambering to fill our lives with stuff that makes us feel secure. And we've never been more safe in Western society, have we? Uh, and yet we're more afraid, more anxious, m- more unsettled. Or if we're not sort of anxious or afraid, then the other option is that we're cynical. Uh, Cynical people who settle for our addiction to sensual apathy that 
that craves kind of relaxing forms of entertainment. I found my heart already warmed by the promise of BBC drama coming, or, or Strictly starting again. Unusual for a rugby player, but I like Strictly. It's a, it's a place of safety for me in the autumn. And that's the culture that we live in as churches here, um, or in Rotherham, and then back in Nottingham. And the danger is that if we're afraid or cynical that when it comes to being a praying people, that we're a million miles away from earnest, depending prayer, uh, hearts that, that cry out. And it's not just the culture that draws us away from praying, is it? It's those, uh, maybe it's those disturbed nights with a screaming baby, uh, the long hours of a demanding job, uh, the intrusive housemates or an unsupportive spouse, all makes praying difficult, doesn't it? Makes it a struggle, makes the Lord feel distant and far away. Uh, there was a lot of talk um, at the start of the pandemic 18 months ago in Christian circles, and so, or certainly in the, the webinars that I went to, people optimistic that in the midst of a pandemic that our culture might wake up from its apathy, it might feel its vulnerability and, and return to the Lord might wake up to spiritual realities and there are stories of that kind of happening for some people Uh, but the overwhelming feeling I get for our culture is not a spiritual hunger a a sense of our vulnerability but really more cynicism (laughs) and more weariness certainly at Rylands as I've sort of been as we've begun to come out of lockdown and been able to reconnect with one another One of the things that's true of the people in church is that people just feel like weary of life, spiritually dry. Uh, And it's into that world of uh, prayerlessness that the Lord Jesus gives verses 9 to 13. I'd love to spend time in 5 to 13 or 15, sorry, Uh, but we've only got a bit of time this morning. So we're just going to focus uh, really on the first the first line this, in this first session and then the central line uh, in the second session as we think about what it means to be God-centred uh, and God-dependent prayers. I, I think this model of prayer, if you want to take it on and study it, uh, will, will kindle a fire in your heart for prayer. As Jesus gives you a, a framework for prayer uh, that will draw, I think, if you allow it to, to into a richer and sweeter relationship with your father in heaven jesus doesn't give you lots of practical tips this is not going to be a how to get up earlier kind of talk or how to develop a disciplined prayer life but he is going to set a model of prayer that should reshape our priorities and begin to retune our hearts to become god-centered and god-dependent people Uh, And the first thing that we're going to think about this morning is uh, what it means to be God-centred is that we'll be, um, we're to pray as children. I don't know if that's going to come up. It does, brilliant. We're going to pray as children. Uh, A guy called J.I. Packer in his excellent little book on this, uh, the Lord's Prayer, if you want to read that, that's a good thing to read. It says that the Lord's Prayer is kind of like, it acts as like a, a series of questions for us. Uh, Who are you praying to and, and what do you want from him? 
That's kind of what Jesus does in this prayer as he gives us these words. Who is it that you're praying to and, and what do you want from him? What's your, what's your desire to take from him? And in this opening line, our Father in heaven, it's as though Jesus says, what do you take God for? Who is he to you? Who is it that we're to bow before and pray to? And Jesus' answer is our Father. Words that are easily skipped over, but really profound uh, for Jesus to say this. Uh, You probably know this, but the word Father there is a translation of the Greek word Abba. Uh, and it's a, uh, it's a term of respectable intimacy used in Jewish families. Uh, some people translate it daddy. Um, I don't think that's quite, quite right in our culture. Uh, it's, more, it's more respectful than daddy. More sort of, it's not as childish as that. But it's certainly more intimate than what we mean in English when we say father. Something maybe like dad, I don't know. Uh, I suspect as a church you've been told that time and time again that the gospel brings us to our Father. But what I want this morning in this first part of this talk is kind of to stick that phrase into a proverbial pipe and kind of smoke it together and allow it to, allow it to do something in us. See, Jesus tells us to begin our prayers by praying our Father. He tells us to begin our prayers by addressing the Emperor of the Universe and the terrifying judge of the cosmos as dad. Jesus says, when you pray, you're not praying to a judge that you've got to present arguments to, to persuade to do something for you. He's not a harsh head teacher that will, will show you the, the time of day if you live well enough and do well enough to earn his approval and get the certificate at the end of the school year. He's not a distant ruler that is uninterested in you. No, he's that, says Jesus. The eternal son of the father, the son of the father, invites you to pray with him, our father. He invites us to pray with affectionate and confident intimacy. And really these two words, our father, draw us right to the centre of what Jesus came to do for us, don't they? Maybe you remember Galatians 4, 2-6, where Paul writes this, When the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to rescue those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And, And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. Uh, remarkable words that God has acted in history to make you and me, if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, it brought us to the same relationship that Jesus has with the Father, heirs, sons and daughters, children, so that our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, And notice in those sentences, God the Father, Son and Spirit, the, the three persons of the Godhead, each acting to bring us to the God that we've rejected and ignored. We're in the family. That's the gospel. We're we're brought into the family. 
how does that impact on your prayer life? Well, uh, innumerable ways I'm sure that you can think of. Uh, but one thing that makes me think of is um, one of my favourite moments of the day uh, is that um, I get to do the, the school drop-off and, and pick-up. Uh, and when I go and pick up Lewis or, or Evie from school, um, sometimes they're really glad to see me. Uh, sometimes they're, they're eager to show me what they've done or, or tell me about what's happened in their day. Uh, eager to show me the craft that um, Lewis has made or uh, Evie will often, won't you dear, <laughs> tell me um, about the latest saga uh, in her school day. And when they feel afraid or anxious, they want to draw near to me or Katie, my wife. They want to sit on my knee or, or sit, snuggle up next to me. They, they, when they achieve something and do something really well, they want to share it with me. And shouldn't they? <laughs> shouldn't they feel most assured, most confident, most safe when they're with us as their parents? Uh, if Lewis, my five-year-old son, was to walk on his own through the area that we were, to, that we were living at night time and sort of wander through the streets, I suspect for him, as brave as he thinks he is, wanting to be a wrestler when he grows up, uh, as he walks through the streets listening to the noises of the night or turns a corner and sees the big children, the, the hooded teenagers walking towards him, my imagination, his imagination no doubt would, would run wild with the shadows that are around the corner. But if he walks through the same streets at the same sort of time with me, well, everything changes, doesn't it? Those things are still there. The shadows are still there. The noise is still there. The, the teenagers are still there. The big children. But he's, he's with dad now. And so he's safe. See what Jesus is saying? As you pray, you, you're with dad. <laughs> See, prayer is not processing your thoughts. It's not sitting quietly and getting in a calm. It's not regulating your breathing. It's not just a time of quiet. It's, it's speaking with dad. It's time with your father, our father. And he's a good, good father, isn't he? Psalm 103 says that he knows that we're frail and vulnerable and yet as a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on us. His heart is bent towards his children. Brothers and sisters, you have dad's ear this morning. You have his full attention. He's not on his phone. He's not distracted. He's, he's not worried about a thousand things he's yet to do. He's not snappy and grumpy because work went bad that day and he's not had enough sleep. He's not taking himself off upstairs to watch the test match just to get a bit of peace on his own. He's not that kind of dad. No, you've got his ear. He's your father. Now, I suspect for some of you this morning, to hear God described as Father is actually quite a painful thing for you. 
tragically for many of us, the father-child relationship is, is not a place of safety and comfort, but is fraught with fear and shame, perhaps dread or disappointment. For some of us, the word father has been darkened probably by the worst kind of evils. And maybe as you hear me talk like this, you kind of wonder, can I ever hope to know God as father like this? Well, friend, if your idea of father is broken or painful, as tempting as it might be to to remove that vocabulary away and just refer to God or, or whatever, can I say perhaps the reason that you feel pain as deeply as you do betrays deep down that we you know that we were made to belong to this father see when it comes to god the father we're to imagine the father you always wanted at his attentive at his most compassionate and generous best And we know that our Father in heaven is like that because he's demonstrated his love for us, hasn't he? He's demonstrated his own love for us in this, says Paul, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. While we were were his creatures rejecting him and and despising him and, and living in his world as though it belonged to us, this Father sent his one and only Son into the world to rescue us and invite us back into his family. Don't allow bad human fathers to shape your understanding of the father. It's right to be disappointed and sad at human fathers, but it's because they're nothing like him. Nothing. You know, as a father, I'm often hurried. I'm often impatient with my two. Uh, Evie can tell you all the stories about how I fail as a father and that's to my shame but you know this father the only time that this father is ever pictured pictured being in a hurry in the bible is when jesus describes him as the father who rushes out to gather up the prodigal son in his arms to clothe him again in the robe, to put the family ring back on his finger, to, to organise a feast and to celebrate because the son that was lost has been found. It's the only time we find God rushing in the Bible. And so Jesus says, Jesus describes life in his kingdom in, in these chapters of Matthew's Gospel. As he describes life in his kingdom, he says the privilege we have is that we can be welcomed back into God's family and call him Father. Our Father. To know the Father who's delighted with us. Zephaniah 3.17 says, He rejoices over you with singing. And so, as you pray, imagine the Father's smile. (laughs) Imagine Him delighted that you've come to Him. To be in His presence, to be safe with Him, to to tell Him about your day, to, to tell Him about your fears, to tell Him about things that you're really proud of and delighted with, to show Him your craft, if you like. Look what I made and see His smile. Uh, John Owen, a theologian from a, a while back, said this The greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to Him 
is to not believe that he loves you. We pray, our Father, we pray as children. But we also pray to our Father in heaven. Did you notice that? There are two more words, aren't there? It's not just to our Father, but it's our Father in heaven. Our culture lives as though the throne room of the universe is empty, that the best we can do is distract or entertain ourselves away from the reality of our, of our own vulnerability. But Jesus says, no, the throne room of heaven is not empty. It's a fathered universe. The throne room of the universe is not deserted. It's occupied by Father. Our Father in heaven. Uh, The Bible speaks of three heavens when it uses that word heaven. Uh, The first heaven is kind of where the birds fly, sky. Uh, The second heaven is where the Star Trek saga happens in space. And the third, that's fictional just in case you're confusing the two. Uh, The third heaven is paradise. Uh, It's where the most high God is enthroned over the universe the the place from where our father reigns as the psalmist says our father is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases i think sometimes when we think about father in heaven we can be tempted to think about his remoteness his distance from us but for for father to be in heaven is not about his remoteness it's about his reign and his authority That he is in heaven sets before us the reality that that our Father is great and infinite and almighty and incorruptible, always doing what is right and good. Which means that the love of the Father for us is unchanging and unconquerable in its purpose. And he is more than able to deal with our needs as we come to him when we pray. And we'll see that in the second talk. See, as you come to our Father, you come to our Father in heaven, the one who reigns. And shouldn't that increase our wonder, our joy, our sense of privilege at being his children? Like my dad is the emperor of the universe. You'd talk about that if that were the truth, wouldn't you? Like you did that in the playground, my dad's bigger than your dad. Well, my dad's the emperor of the universe. Where you're sat this morning... In this tent on camping chairs, you have a hotline for communion with the emperor of the universe. That's your privilege. The Lord of the worlds has time for us. And his eye is on everything at every moment. And because he's our father, well, we always have his full attention. He's always there when we call on him. When we think of um, God being in heaven, and, or think of his kind of, the Bible says his transcendence, that, that he's the eternal creator, I think we can think of his remoteness, as I said. We think of Solomon's question in, in 2 Chronicles when he says, Will God dwell with man on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. But to Solomon's question, Isaiah replies in Isaiah 57, he says this, I do dwell in the high and holy place, and also with those who are of contrite and lowly spirit. He's both transcendent and far away. Uh, He's uh, bigger than us. He's almighty. He's in heaven. But he's also imminent. He's with us. 
and for us. See, our secular culture cries for help into a universe. It, it looks for Brian Mills and Captain America or whoever the, hero, the next hero might be because it thinks the universe is empty and it needs to find a rescuer, someone that will give a sense that it'll all be okay. That's what those films are about. It'll all be okay in the end. But friends, we don't have to live in such a state of terror. We have a dad with more than a particular set of skills. (laughs) Our dad's the emperor of the universe. Who's attentive and who has compassion on us. One of the ancient catechisms puts it like this. Basic to our prayer is the childlike trust and awe that God through Christ has become our father. Let me say that again. Basic to our prayer is the, is the childlike trust and awe that God through Christ has become our Father. And I think remembering that will help your prayers. For some of you this morning, things might be really difficult, might be frightening. Uh, perhaps the future feels uncertain. For others of you, you're anxious and downcast, maybe sad this morning. Or wherever we're at this morning, Jesus, our older brother, invites us to pray to our Father in heaven. See, we pray in heaven to remember how great our Father is, how capable, how able, how holy he is. But we pray our Father because, well, we've been brought in to know him as as Dad. And as we get to know this Father in heaven, notice what begins to happen as Jesus continues uh, in the prayer. We get to know the God who is our Father in heaven. So we begin to pray, hallowed be your name. We want God's name to be adored by the world and set apart in the world. To be separate and, and, and made holy in our, in our lives and in our nation. It's what we are made for. And as we pray, hallowed be your name. So we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. See, as you pray as children to your father in heaven, you begin to care about your father's name. You begin to care about your father's rule in the world. You begin to care about your father's plans being done. So you pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see how Jesus, this is the way in to know Father in heaven and how the whole of life then begins to become God-centred, orientated around who he is. Who am I praying to? Our Father in heaven. Shall we pray to him now? Our Father, we thank you and praise you that that's our privilege this morning to bow before the Emperor of the Universe and call him Dad, to know him as Father. Thank you that that's the safest place to be. Uh, Please would you help us to, to grasp that in the depths of our being. Please retune our hearts to 
to sing your praise, to know you as you've made yourself known to us in the gospel. And ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.